0: And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.
1: Disgraced movie mogul Harvey Weinstein was convicted today in a sexual assault trial. Ah, oh, you mean the walker didn't work? <laughs> oh, man, he's really, really going to have to... I thought, as a legal strategy... He's really going to have to step it up at sentencing and just arrive in a hearse.
0: From 30 Rockefeller Plaza in New York City, please enjoy this podcast edition of Late Night with Seth Meyers. On today's show, Seth talks to CNN's Jake Tapper. But first, a closer look.
1: Bernie Sanders won the Nevada caucus in a landslide on Saturday. And now, some pundits in the Democratic establishment are panicking about the possibility that he might be the Democratic nominee. For more on this, it's time for a closer look. <laughs> Bernie has now won the popular vote in the first three primary contests, making him the clear frontrunner. And now, Politico is reporting that Bernie Sanders has sent the Democratic establishment into panic mode. And you can tell because the general tenor of the coverage on cable news has gone something like this. NBC News projects Bernie Sanders, the winner in Nevada. What the
2: is going on?
1: Pundits across cable news have been freaking out about Bernie's rise. For example, you might remember that after Bernie won the popular vote in Iowa and again in New Hampshire, the story wasn't that he was winning, but that if you use pundit math, he was actually losing. I don't understand how Bernie is considered a front-runner.
0: In New Hampshire, 52% of voters wanted either uh, Pete Buttigieg or Amy Klobuchar or Joe Biden. Moderates are winning.
1: Why wasn't Buttigieg's win in Iowa a bigger banner headline? He also has upset Bernie Sanders in both states.
2: The story of the night, Amy Klobuchar now in third place. The story of the Sanders campaign so far this year is how much ground he's lost from four years ago.
1: That's right, by winning states, Bernie is actually losing ground You see, as all expert pundits know, you don't want to win the first two That's a rookie mistake, wherein you come off as needy Or as the kids would say, thirsty You want to throw everyone off by losing a bunch of states Playing it cool, off to the side, until someone finally says Who's that fellow with zero delegates? No, seriously So seriously, who is that? Oh, all right. See, according to the pundits, uh, you don't want to actually win the first two states like Bernie did. You want to follow the Joe Biden path, coming fourth in Iowa, fifth in New Hampshire, and a distant second in Nevada. And on top of all that, just wander over during a crucial debate and give the frontrunner a hug, you know? It's the first time Biden ever hugged someone from an angle where they could see him coming. And not only... Did some pundits insist that Bernie wasn't actually the front-runner after winning the first two states? They also created an elaborate mythology in their heads where Bernie was only winning because the so-called moderates were supposedly splitting the vote. And they kept insisting that if the moderates would just coalesce around one candidate, that candidate could beat Bernie. Bernie Sanders may have eked out the most votes in Iowa and New Hampshire, but if you look at the numbers more closely, it shows a candidate hitting a
2: ceiling.
0: If you look at the combined percentages among the centrist candidates, they do much
2: better than the progressives. When you add up the, the totals, though, for Pete Buttigieg, Amy Klobuchar, and Joe Biden, when you add them up last night, that's more than half the electorate backing of moderate. Buttigieg and Klobuchar and Biden split the moderate vote with their combined percentage overwhelming that of Sanders, who got 26%. That's right. If you just
1: combine the votes of Buttigieg, Biden, and Klobuchar, you can beat Bernie. Now, all you have to do is find a way to genetically combine them into one candidate called the clobu bud and butter Chart. <laughs> it's that easy and then all and then every time you ask it a question it has the same answer what should we do about healthcare
2: we must step forward into the future
1: i'm from minnesota
2: corn pop was a bad dude huh.
1: <laughs> but the reality is that most actual voters don't think like pundits they don't divide Candidates into a so-called liberal lane and a moderate lane In fact, polls have shown that the top second choice Among Biden voters is actually Bernie And polls have also shown that Democratic voters Are overwhelmingly satisfied with their choices They don't divide them up into lanes. They like them each for their own reasons. They like Bernie for his consistency on issues like health care. They like Warren for taking on big fights against special interests like Wall Street. They like Biden for his eight years as Obama's VP. They like Buttigieg for his youthful charm and charisma. They like Klobuchar for a record in the Senate. And they like Bloomberg because he pays people to like him. (laughs) Still, before Nevada, many in the media were desperate to avoid calling Sanders the frontrunner, and in fairness, only two states, both of them mostly white, had voted. In fact, even Bernie bristled at the question of whether he was the frontrunner during a town hall on CNN.
0: I think it was right before uh, a New Hampshire primary, I asked you, uh, after Iowa, if you consider yourself the Democratic frontrunner. Now, after New Hampshire, do you? Who cares?
2: (laughs) (laughs)
1: If Bernie gets elected, his inauguration is just going to be a four-hour open house. Stop by, don't stop by. There'll be cheese and crackers, but, you know, maybe eat before you come. <laughs> Say what you will. Say what you will about the guy, but he does not care about status. He has one suit that he irons by running it over with his car, I guess. He shoots layups with two hands, and he's been photographed in the middle seat and Coach, and that is the only time he's been centrist. But even... The pundits and Bernie himself could not deny his clear status as the frontrunner after an overwhelming victory in Nevada on Saturday, the first diverse state to vote in the primary, in which Sanders seemed to win virtually every demographic. Sanders indeed won a smashing across-the-board victory, according to our entrance poll. He won among men and women,
0: college graduates and non-college graduates, liberals and moderates slash conservatives union and non-union members, people who decided early and people who decided late. In short, Sanders crushed it. Take a look here among self-described moderate or conservative Democrats. That's a third of this electorate in Nevada. This is what you're seeing. Sanders is actually leading. NBC Wall Street Journal poll asked, who are you most enthusiastic or comfortable about when it comes to the Democratic nominee? Bernie Sanders leads with 65%. He was powered by young
1: voters, Hispanic voters, very
0: liberal, and
1: those who supported
0: Medicare for all.
1: Damn, he won union voters, non-union voters Young voters, Hispanic voters Men, women, liberals, and conservatives And based on this photo, he even did well with former vice presidents over 70 (laughs) And yet still, cable news reacted with shock at Bernie's success in Nevada For example, as results were coming in And it was clear that young voters and people of color were going overwhelmingly for Sanders One anchor at a caucus site audibly sighed as she reported the results
2: Largely people of color Of those, the majority, are Latino and they are clearly, at least from eyeballing it, strongly in favor of Bernie Sanders with Joe Biden coming in second. Oh, my
1: God, with the sigh. She's <laughs> she's reporting on Bernie winning a caucus site the way you tell your parents why your dip <laughs> boyfriend got fired from his job. <laughs> he, uh, well, he was using the copier, and, well, from eyeballing it, it looks like he, uh, he photocopied his ass and put it up in the break room. <laughs> and then... And then, a prominent Democratic strategists and pundits started spitting out on live TV. James Carville, for example, has been showing up nonstop on MSNBC, warning that nominating Bernie would destroy the party and even suggesting that Russian President Vladimir Putin
2: was rooting for him. It's gonna be the end of days. So I am I'm scared to death. I really am. There's a certain part of the Democratic Party that wants us to be a cult. I'm not interested in being in a cult. I'm, I'm 75 years old. I'm just not a, I'm not a very culty person. I'm 75 years old. Why am I here doing this? Because I am scared to death, that's why. The happiest person right now, it's about 1.15 Moscow time. This thing is going very well for Vladimir Putin, I promise you. He, he, he's probably staying up watching us right now. How you doing, Vlad? All
1: right. <laughs> He's not watching, but if he was, he'd probably think this was a public access puppet show. <laughs> Seriously, James Carville always looks like he was released naked into a Louisiana Goodwill and given five minutes to pick an outfit. <laughs> How's this hair look on me? How's this hair look on me? Bad? I'll take it. it. Is all squashed up like a bug on my head? Yeah. Like it's completely lost its shape? All right, I'll take it. And just as a reminder Carville's track record, in 2008, he said then-Senator Barack Obama was unelectable and attacked him to the point where even Obama hit back and said James Carville is well-known for spouting off his mouth without always knowing what he's talking about. In fact, Obama was specifically responding to this comment Carville made about Hillary and Obama, and this is a real quote. If she gave him one of her cojones, they'd both have two. (laughs) All right, I'm having trouble following the logic here, so that means she was starting with three cojones? (laughs) Yeah, somehow that wasn't even the most unhinged response to Bernie's win. Chris Matthews actually compared Bernie's victory in Nevada to the Nazi invasion of France during World War
2: II. I'm reading last night about the fall of France in the summer of 1940, and the general, Renault calls up Churchill and says, it's over. And Churchill said, how can it be? You got the greatest army in Europe. How can it be over? He said, it's over. So I had that pre- suppressed feeling. I can't be as wild as Carville, but he is damn smart, and I think he's damn right on this one.
1: As a general rule, anytime a man of Matthew's age starts a sentence with, I was reading last night about the fall of France in 1940, that's your cue to exit the conversation. <laughs> he's like your senile grandpa screaming into the phone on FaceTime. They banned me from the golf course for not fixing my divots. This is just like 1940 when the Nazis... All right, all right. Talk to you later, Grandpa. And somehow, somehow, this isn't even the most insane thing Matthews has said about Bernie. After Bernie's win in New Hampshire, you might recall, Matthews went on another deranged hair that had something to do with communists executing him in Central Park or something. It was so... Incoherent, his fellow anchor Chris Hayes had to chime in to offer some sense.
2: I have my own views of the word socialist, and I'll be glad to tell them, share them with you in private. And they go back to uh, the early 1950s. I have an attitude about them. I remember the Cold War. I have an attitude towards Castro. Well, I believe if Castro and the, and, the, and the Reds had won the Cold War, there would have been executions in Central Park, and I might have been one of the ones getting executed. And certain other people would be there cheering, okay? So I have a problem with people who took the other side. I don't know who Bernie, uh, Bernie supports over these years. I don't know what he means by social. One week it's Denmark. We're gonna be like Denmark. Okay, that's harmless. That's a, basically a capitalist country with a lot of good social welfare programs. Denmark is harmless. He's pretty clearly in the Denmark is category, yeah. Are you sure, how do you know, did he tell you that? Well, I mean, that's what he says and that's what his agenda calls for. Just as a reminder, that
1: whole thing started with this.
2: I have my own views of the word socialist and I'll be glad to tell them, share them with you in private. Chris Matthews is definitely a guy who
1: says he'll share his thoughts with you in private and then talks to you in public for a full minute. I'll tell you what I think about this movie later in private. It sucks! By the way, Bernie is not the first strong, progressive candidate to come under fire from centrist pundits in the Democratic establishment. When Elizabeth Warren was soaring in the polls and seen as the front-runner, we got story after story about how Wall Street and Democratic donors were panicking. Cable news shows rolled one clip after another of billionaires freaking out about her plans. And that's because they perceive both Bernie and Warren as threats to their livelihoods and their way of thinking. Regardless of how you feel about any particular candidates, if you're a pundit, you might want to ask why so many voters are flocking to Bernie Sanders, and yet, When you ask them if they're at least curious to find out why Bernie is doing so well, they say...
2: Hey, who cares?
1: This has been A Closer Look. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices Weekday afternoons as well as the network Sunday show State of the Union Please welcome back to the show Our friend Jake Tapper, everybody (laughs) Welcome back It's great to be here I'm always very happy uh, that you're about to come And we were texting And uh, we'll text about what we're going to talk about when you come And uh, and then something happened uh, (laughs) at a rally Uh, Donald Trump name-checked you at a rally Yes, and it wasn't nice No it wasn't, it wasn't nice, nice at all. Uh, let's take a look, and then um, and just tell me what happens in your brain when uh, the president says this about you at a rally.
0: Okay.
2: Jake Tapper today, he put out. No, I know you don't like him. I know who who likes him. Who the hell can I like? Him? I think his wife likes him actually. I really believe she does. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> there's a couple
1: crazy things there. <laughs> he wasn't actually bringing you up to disparage you. Because he then was going to talk about reporting that you had done that was actually reflected well on him.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, or as le- less horribly. Less horribly, yeah. I, I had some reporting that suggested that a, a, a brief, somebody who briefed the House Intelligence Committee maybe overstated the case in terms of whether or not the Russians preferred him or just, you know, thought they could deal with him, you know, thought he was a transactional dealmaker. Um, and some of the reporting was that like, oh, no, the intelligence community thinks that, you know, they prefer him again. And so it was actually kind of helpful to him. But, you see, it's so symbolic of how he gets in his own way. He's so driven by vengeance. Yeah. That, like, even when he's going to cite my reporting, he starts off by telling everybody <laughs> that I'm completely unlikable. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's horrible. Don't listen to a word he has to say. He said something good <laughs> for, for me.
1: Well, I, you know, what I note is when you watch the clip, one of the things that happens... Is his, his The people at his rallies You know, it is You know, they like having villains And oh, so when yeah. he mentions Jake Tapper They start
0: to boo Yeah, there was a stirring in the crowd There was a
1: stirring, and so then he has to revert back To what he's done in the right. past Like, a, yeah, bad guy, bad guy,
0: Jake Anyway, like you said Although he backed off a little He backed off, no one, like who likes him? Who the hell
1: likes him? I heard, yeah, His wife likes that him That I thought was nice I thought that was really nice. There are some people where he doesn't even bring up their spouses, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, How did your uh, wife react to that? Well, you, you know my wife. Uh, Jen, wonderful. Do you, do you think she likes me? I do! I mean, we've been out a few times, and, like, at least one of them she seemed into you.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm told that she likes me, but I I need a second source. Yeah. So, just a journalistic uh, thing.
1: Did she call you after it happened? You
0: know, it's so funny. It's so, this is where we are now. Like, five years ago, ten years ago, if something like this had happened, a president of the United States insulted me and brought my wife into it, then, like, I would have immediately gotten a phone call from my wife. Can you believe it? it can... She hadn't even heard. Yeah. I'm like, I texted her, and I'm like, you know, the president just insulted me. She's like, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> and, and I'm like, no, he, and he brought you into it. She's like, what? And I, I sent her the clip, and uh, she's like, oh, that's so funny. I haven't, I hadn't heard that. And yeah. It's all just, it's like, you know, living in some crappy apartment right out of college, and like the the furnace is constantly making noise, and by the, you know, you don't even hear it by the first week. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. It's just, like, yeah. it's just like, oh, the president's insulting <laughs> you And questioning your marriage right. in front of an entire world And like, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Right. So, right. Anyway. And then
1: your parents come and visit your dorm room And they're like, <laughs> that's banging And you're like, is it? Can't yeah. hear it <laughs> Can't hear it just, I have no It's just idea. noise uh, You know, there is uh, the ver- I think there, whether or not um, Russian interference is going to be pro one candidate or the other It does seem like just causing chaos, causing mayhem. They're causing succeeding. Doubt. They're they succeeding. Succeed. Yeah. And uh, and there's no reason to think just because they uh, so effectively use technology and technology advances every year that it won't be uh, more effective four years on from 2016. How do you go about reporting on uh, the elections when you have when you know there's this undercurrent happening? We don't really truly know many of the details.
0: Yeah. No. I mean, first of all, I think that 2016 was a horrible, but education for a lot of us. You know, when the first time that the DNC emails were hacked and then released through WikiLeaks, um, the Clinton campaign came out and said, you know, we think it's the Russians. But nobody in the Obama administration was saying that publicly. So it, it was, there was an entire world uh, that didn't know that the Russians did this sort of thing. Now we know we have more education, we have more information. And I think one of the things is you have to be aware that a lot of the stuff on social media is just not real, or it's lies. And, and uh, it's just something that we all have to keep in mind, um, whether it's your, your your grandparents reading things that they see on Facebook, yeah. or not yours specifically, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, but uh, or or you know, or people on Twitter who seem like real people, and then it turns out they're not actually real people. And they, they say that the Russians this year are going to get even more sophisticated because they're going to do stuff from inside the United States, so it's not even as detectable uh, as doing it from outside.
1: And, you know, I think it, it, one of the reasons it is so effective is that we, uh, not just as, as Americans, but more as human beings, you want to believe things you read that that serve your own messaging. And so uh, you don't have to be that effective, it strikes me, to trick someone as long as you're saying what they want to hear.
0: Well, people always want to believe the narrative that they've bought into. And, in fact, when I was reporting the thing that, that helped President Trump theoretically on Friday, it was really astounding to see how many people who wanted to believe the worst, that the intelligence community had briefed, uh, that the Russians had a preference, which is true, and that it was true. It was definitely accurate as opposed to some national security officials saying, hey, this briefer got ahead of her skis. Um, It was really amazing to see how many people just completely started attacking me, national security columnists and commentators or whatever, because people want to believe what they want to believe. There's also just the impetus that people people are generally inclined to trust people. Yeah. you're generally inclined to believe that the person in front of you is not lying. Uh, and uh, you know even if we are being hit with a barrage of
1: lies day in day out. Yeah. well, one of the things uh, it, it, speaking of that, because you did a really uh, nice piece yesterday about uh, the fact that post impeachment, Donald Trump, uh, many Republicans uh, when they voted to non- impeach, said that we do feel like this will be a teachable moment for him. Teachable. Uh, He's learned he his will, lesson. He will learn his lesson. He's proud he by this. He definitely learned a lesson. Uh, what was the lesson? <laughs>
0: Well, I think the lesson is that he, I mean, the lesson I think that he has learned is I need to get all the bad people out of my administration, anybody who's
1: not disloyal to me. Right, not bad as in they do bad things, but bad in that they will tell other people when I do bad things.
0: Yes, whistleblowers potentially, but also anybody who would testify against me or anybody who would theoretically not be 100% loyal. And so he has done all these things, you know, not just escorting uh, people like Lieutenant Colonel Vindman and his twin brother who had nothing to do with it, uh, escorting them off the White House grounds and other impeachment witnesses. But there was a guy who was a top policy guy at the Pentagon who privately had been saying, no, you need to release the money to Ukraine. The money was, yeah. he didn't do anything wrong. He didn't even make it public, but like he got fired. I mean, so anybody that gets in the way of what he wants to do, even if what he wants to do is against the law, he is now having them leave the administration and he's trying to help people who have been loyal, like... Roger Stone yeah. is a good example. He went after the prosecutors. He went after the judge. He went after the jury forewoman in the Roger Stone prosecution. He has this perception that prosecutors are bad yeah. and bad guys are good. Yeah. And um, if I'm starting. You
1: know what I'm starting to think? He did. might be a bad guy. <laughs> I think he might just be a bad guy with bad judgment. I think there's some judgment <laughs> questions that can be asked. Uh, I want to ask this uh, before your uh, days uh, as, a, as a journalist. Uh you started in the internet. You had a job at a, a, a very highly uh, revered website. It was revered. It was, was... it revered at the time? It I was... don't remember it well, but it was uh it was Suck.com. Yeah. <laughs> and when you say it like that, you make it sound dirty. <laughs> but Suck.com was this was Wait, how would you say it? <laughs> you worked at Suck.com. <laughs> Joining us now, Jake Tapper <laughs> from Suck.com. <laughs>
0: It was this very guerrilla website website started by some of the editors of Wired Digital. And people wrote these columns that were scathing commentaries on things going on in the Internet. And it was a lot of uh, great people got their starts there. Uh, And uh, Anna Marie Cox and... Joey Nuff and a bunch of others, and um, Tim Carvell, I think, wrote for them. Oh, yeah. a, and so in any case, there were a lot of people who, who wrote there. Yes, and, and we all had, you had pseudonyms, so you didn't write under your name. The website's gone, by the way. It's vanished. You can't get it anymore. But it was suck for, like, this sucks, not for whatever you thought.
1: <laughs> what do you think I thought it was? I don't know, but it just se- <laughs> it seemed, like you were, it seemed like you were judging. No, I... was. <laughs> You you wrote for the uh, the vacuum review site, <laughs> Suck.com. Suck.com was part of Wired Digital. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, hey, it's always so wonderful to have you here. you got to come back soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Take time, everybody.
0: Late Night with Seth Meyers airs weeknights on NBC at 1235, 1135 Central. Original music on the Late Night podcast is by the H.E. Band. Don't forget to follow the handle Late Night Seth on social media and tell your friends to subscribe to the Late Night Podcast wherever they get their podcasts. The wait is over.
2: So far, you're not losing. The only thing you're losing is my patience. Quickly, I see that. Bing!